Good morning. Jake talking about family pictures. It reminded me when our girls were young, my mom knitted sweaters for my three oldest girls when they were six, four, and two that had cats. Knitted sweater with cats. We have that family photo somewhere. Um, and my kids now say, why, Dad? Why did you make, you need to have that kind of photo. So uh, dress them up, have some fun. Hey, I, I want to I do just a little bit of follow-up from back from Easter. On Easter Sunday, we gave away a little booklet called Alive. It was by J, J. Warner Wallace. It's a book about uh, a cold case detective and his search to, to disprove the validity of the resurrection. We ran out of those on Easter Sunday. If you would like a copy, we, we have gotten more and we have them back at the Connect kiosk on your way out. Stop and get one of those. If you want to give that to a friend or whatever, that's cool. Also, um, we, we have a subscription as a church to Right Now Media. So if you're here today, if you go to the app, there's a, there's a tab on there over in the more section that you can uh, go to Right Now Media. And there's actually an eight, eight week, eight series um, teaching on cold case Christianity, on his perspective, on how he looked at the evidence for the resurrection. And I just encourage you to, to take advantage of that, to use that. That'd be a cool thing. Um, we start a new series today called Who Cares? Who Cares? That, 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 uh, that really is an extension of kind of where we were last week when we talked about the mission of Jesus here on earth. That Jesus had this mission that he came to seek and save the lost. That his mission was that, that um, what he did for us in going to the cross and, and his resurrection, that it would impact all of creation, go into all the world. Be my, teach, baptize, teach, make disciples. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. This series is really kind of an extension of that, this who cares. And it really is, there are really two aspects of it. One is a question for us. Who cares about people who don't know Jesus? Who cares? Because frankly, lots of times as followers of Jesus, we live like, oh yeah, we've got it. Too bad you don't. Who cares? Do we really care about people who are far from Jesus? The other aspect of this really is that the people that we see at Bigby, the people that we see on the soccer field, the people that we see at football games, the people that we see at work, there's this fundamental question that they're living with every day that is, who cares about me? Who cares if I live or die? Who cares if I struggle? Who who cares? And that God has strategically put us in place to be able to answer that question and say, I care. I, I care about you. I care about what's going on. So we're going to talk for the next four weeks about how we can, how we can live that out very effectively. Um, George Barnett, who's a research guy, uh, he, he wrote a book that just came out a couple of years ago called Reviving Evangelism. And he, he said this, Almost all practicing Christians believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. And that when he says almost all, that that ranges from 95 to 97% among all generational groups. From Gen Z all the way up to baby boomers, baby boomers or builders, if, if uh, uh, all, all the generational segments. I almost said builders if they're still alive. Some of you are still alive and we are glad you're here. All right. Sorry about that. Um, uh, he said this as well. He said, almost, all, almost half of millennials 
47%. Agree at least somewhat that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day have the same faith. Do you understand that tension that's there? Everybody believes that their life would be better with Jesus, that, that, that their, the lives of their friends would be better if they had a relationship with Jesus. But half of millennials, it's, that's the biggest, uh, that's the highest percentage generationally, half of them say, oh no, we, don't, we, we ought not evangelize. That's the wrong thing to do. Understand this just as a foundation for today's message. No one wants to be evangelized, right? Nobody wants someone to come and say, oh, here's the answer to all your problems. You just need to do this. Nobody wants to be a project of someone else. Oh, my poor little neighbor. Nobody wants that. But everybody wants someone who will care about them, who will care about what's going on in their life, who will love them no matter, what, no matter where they are and, and what's going on. Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus' mission that we talked about last week, it was a macro mission. Jesus came to save the entire world, but it was a micro mission too. Jesus came to save individual people. He came to save me. He came to save you. And so there is this big picture thing, but it gets lived out on a personal level as we interact with people. Um, it's interesting when you look at scripture, Jesus' interaction with people was very individualized. It was very micro. If you think about what happened when, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, he says, what do, I, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. You know that. And the guy said, oh, I've done all that. And Jesus says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Um, a chapter later in the book of Luke, Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house for dinner tonight. Jesus goes and hangs out with Zacchaeus and all of these guys that everyone else despises. And Jesus just hangs out with him. We don't have any record of what Jesus told him. And in the midst of that meal, Zacchaeus says, you know what? Because of Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm paying back everybody that I've cheated. I'm giving away my wealth. Jesus, as he interacted with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, um, he, he, what's he say to her? He doesn't say anything about selling anything that she has. He doesn't say anything to her about keeping her commandments, about keeping commandments. Jesus says to her, if you know who you were talking to, you'd ask for living water. Jesus' interaction with people was not formula, formula it wasn't a formula, all right, formula maic. Uh, it, it wasn't for you. Jesus dealt with people one-on-one, -on -one, individually, micro level. Jesus cared about individual people. Um, when we live out the mission of Jesus, we can't reach 7 billion people. But if, if we're caring for the people who are in our world, we might, we might be able to demonstrate that care for hundreds or thousands of people that we see, that we have relationships with, that we interact with during our lifetimes. Um, understand that God's plan, Jesus' mission, involves you. God's plan involves you. Jesus didn't come so that Jesus could just save the world and forget, save me and then forget about it. Jesus wants to live out his plan through you.
Nobody wants to be evangelized, but everybody wants to be cared about. And they want to be significant. They want to be held as significant by the people that they interact with. They want to be blessed. Let me, let me, let me lay out the foundation for this series in, in, uh, from Scripture in just kind of a quick way. If you go back to Genesis 12... God calls Abraham, tells him to move to a new place, and Abraham is this man of incredible faith. The Lord says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. And as you're a blessing, you're going to bless everybody else on earth. Um, bless, bless is a funny word, isn't it? Um, the, the only people who really use the word bless or blessing are church people, right? When I, I, there's a guy at the Y when I say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah, what do you, you know that he's some kind of follower of Jesus, right? He goes to church, because who else says that? They don't talk about being blessed on the football field very often, all right? Um, when somebody sneezes, what do we say? Bless you. What do, what do we mean by that? I don't know. Um, when, when we say to somebody, oh, bless your heart, what do we mean? We mean they're dumb as dirt, right? <laughs> um, bless your heart. Um, to bless someone means to ask for God's favor on them. So when God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you my favor so that you can give my favor to other people so that everyone who lives on the planet can experience that favor as well. That's what it means to be blessed, to live out that blessing. Um, it's, I, I feel awkward because, you know, I'm a pastor, and when people call and say, oh, God bless you, pastor, um, what am I supposed to respond? God bless you too, right? It just feels funny to me, not because I don't want God to bless them, but it feels like sometimes as Christians, we just say that as kind of a good luck charm, that, you know, that that's the language that we're supposed to, oh, God bless you, God bless you. I, I want to encourage you, if you say that, I, I, I would challenge you to think through, I want God's favor to fall on this person. So if I say to you, oh man, may God bless you, know that I'm really thinking, I want God's favor to be on you. Galatians chapter three, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and says this, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. When we choose to follow Jesus, we're living out that promise that God made to Abraham to be blessed by God, to be a blessing in the world, and that all the world would be blessed through us. That's our mission. That's the, that's the generational promise that God made to us through Abraham.
Um, Jesus, Jesus said, I, I, I just, I, it's so important to understand that when we're saved, when Jesus comes in and changes our lives, that he does that so that we can bless other people, so that we can allow God's favor to go out beyond us. It's not just so that we can come to church on Sunday morning. Jesus, uh, in John chapter 7, stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. John explains that he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working through us. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who calls people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that God sent to help people understand how much he cares for them. Such a, pic, such a great picture. Rivers, streams of living water. The problem is that we often not live as streams, but as buckets, right? We, have, we, we live this out in such a way that we think, oh, God's goodness comes and it fills this bucket and I get to carry the bucket around and that's great. That's not what, that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could be streams of living water, so that we could allow the favor of God to pass on to people. You know, you know what happens when you fill a swimming pool, um, think kiddie pool, with water, and you don't have a filter in there? I, I remember when my girls were little, every year we'd have a pool, and by the end of the summer, the pool was ruined. Why? Because we didn't have a filter. So, you know, the first few days we put the water in, it would look great. And by about day three, there'd start to be a little bit of scum on the top. By about day seven, there'd be algae in it. Um, by day 10, it was starting to really be kind of rancid. The mosquitoes are doing their thing, all that kind of stuff. Same thing with an aquarium, right? You can, you can put water in your aquarium. You can put the fish in, but without a filter that sends that water moving all the time, it just gets stagnant and dies, when we live with our relationship with Jesus as a bucket instead of a stream of living water, it becomes stagnant and dies. Um, we're meant to be rivers, not buckets. Um, the, the, the author Madeline Engel wrote, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. I love that quote. Nobody wants to be evangelized. Everybody wants to be cared about. Um, you know, everyone wants to know that care and concern a lot more than they want to just hear answers. They want to be convinced of something. You all know this. I've used this illustration before, but I want to use it again today because it just gives me a chance. Eight years I've been here, right? Eight years. How many of you have become Ohio State fans in eight years? All the time I've talked about Ohio State. Zero hands if you're watching on TV, all right? In the last eight years, how many times has Michigan State beat Ohio State in football? In the last eight years, how many times has Michigan beat Ohio State in football? One. Losers. Uh, 
there's lots of objective information that says Ohio State's foot, uh, football program is lots better, right? How many of you become Ohio State fans? Nobody. Why? Because the information doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. People want to be cared about. Now, I, there's a couple of boys here at church that I'm really working on to become Ohio State fans that are young. Um, we'll see how, what, what happens with that. How do, how do we become a blessing to the people that we live life with, that we interact with on a regular basis? How do we be a river and not a bucket? How do we develop a heart of care and how do we show, show that care for others? It's by answering that question, who cares? This is a long intro to the series, but I want you to get this. Understand that the next four weeks are not about an evangelism program or anything like that. It's just about letting people know that you love them and that you care about them and that God does and that God wants to let his favor be extended to people through you on a regular basis. Um, Paul wrote to a church in, in a town named Colossae and I think that he may have, uh, he may have landed really well with, with the, what the first part of this whole process for how we be a blessing to others, for how we show that we care. Um, uh, the, because he says, um, he says that the place that you start is with prayer. The place to start in showing who cares is with prayer. Um, I, I, I got out of uh, order in my notes, so let me just kind of uh, rethink that. I'm going to come back to Paul in, in just a little bit. Um, Jesus lived that out. Um, the, the key to showing, showing how it is that we live out, that we care, starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 6, it says this. One of, the, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Jesus is going to live out the promise that, that God gave to Abraham. He's going he's gonna, to um, empower, he's, he's going to work with these guys who are going to be his closest friends for the next three years. And what's he do before he chooses them? He prays. He prays all night long. He goes to a mountainside to pray, spent the night praying to God so that he might choose the right people. Prayer is the key to being available and answering that question, who cares? This is what Paul wrote to the church in, in uh, Colossae. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that, we mo so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul's desire was not to bludgeon people with the truth of the gospel. And, and he, did, he could. He had the intellect. He had the information. He could have done that. That wasn't his hope. His desire instead was to help people experience freedom and hope and grace. Paul's desire was that, the, that people would experience life as it was meant to be lived. 
not a life of drudgery in search of a fix of adrenaline, but a life that would make them feel alive on a permanent basis, not just a short time. And so Paul asks the church to pray, to pray for him to recognize the opportunity, to pray for him to speak wisely, to speak with grace, to pray for an open door as he interacted with people who didn't know anything about Jesus, to pray not just for opportunities, but for the right words at the right time with the right attitude, to pray that he wouldn't miss opportunities that the Holy Spirit set up for him. We can't be a blessing to people based on our own goodness. We will mess it up every time. We'll be misunderstood. We'll say the wrong thing at the wrong time. We need guidance. So prayer and wisdom are critical. We've got to to ask God to empower us, and we've got to think and, and just be sensitive to the people who are around us. Understand that praying fuels the work of the Holy Spirit in the people that we pray for. When we begin to pray that that God would allow us to, to extend his grace to the people around us, when we pray for them, God's spirit begins to work in ways that he wouldn't have worked otherwise. And when we begin to pray for them, God's spirit works in us in ways that that he wouldn't have otherwise as well. Praying fuels the work of the Holy Spirit in us as well as the people that we pray for. How how does that work? That the God of the universe depends on us to pray for him, to work in an even greater way, in drawing people to himself? I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. But it makes a lot more sense than depending on ourselves. I'm thinking that we can do it on our own intellect, on our own strength, on our own will. Corey Ten Boom, many of you know who she was. She was a a prisoner of war during World War II in in the uh, death camps. She said, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. So when we're praying for people, we don't know how God's gonna work. But the likelihood is high that God's going to use us in that process. I love what Dave Ferguson, the pastor at Community Christian Church in Neighborville, Illinois, wrote. Prayer is how you discover the mission of Christ and how you pursue it. Prayer is how that begins to come clear in terms of who who God might use us to, to reach out to, to extend his favor to. When we pray about how God can use us to bless others... God answers those prayers. He opens our eyes and helps us see opportunities. He gives us ideas and gives us words that we never even considered before. He helps us see people that we've looked past over and over again. Prayer is how we discover God's mission for us. Prayer is how we pursue the mission that God has given us to bless others. Um, yeah, you may be thinking right now, that, that's great, that makes sense to me. I don't have a clue about what that looks like. I don't know what that means. Um, you, know, you know when you're driving down the road, especially at this time of year, you, you have a clear destination that you're gonna go to, 
driving down, down the road and all of a sudden you hit that section of road that's just destroyed by potholes. Makes your car shake, makes you slow down. All of a sudden, all of your senses are heightened because you're thinking, okay, I've got to go right here and left there and left here and to, to avoid all those things. Satan, I think, creates potholes as we begin to think about pray, praying. Like right now, we think, I don't know how to pray for people. How, how do you even do that? That's, that's a pothole. I, some of us think, hey, you know what? I'm, I think I'm just too busy to pray. That sounds funny, but I, I, I don't know when I'd find the time. Some of you are saying, I don't even know what to pray for or who to pray for. I, I don't. And, and some of us, I think, are saying, you know what? I've, I've prayed before and nothing really happened the way that I thought that it would. I doubt if I pray that God will even do anything, so why bother? Please understand that Satan is the one who's creating those potholes as we think about talking to God. Satan is the one who's trying to derail you from being a blessing to people that you care about. Satan is the one who's trying to reroute you so that your mission, that to be that blessing that God's called you to be, to extend his favor, is never accomplished. Prayer, quite simply, it's just simply talking to God. If you've never really done it much before, it's really pretty easy. Just talk to God like you'd talk to a friend. Say something like, God, I want to be a blessing to people. Would you help me? Would you help me do that? Would you help me see people that you want me to bless? Would you help me say the right things? and not say something stupid? Would you help me be filled with grace, as Paul talked about, and, and, and not think that I have to have all the answers? Would you just help me do that, please, God? I'm telling you, God will answer that prayer. He, he, will, he will answer that prayer. Um, the, uh, about a year ago, I was having a conversation with a friend um, I've mentioned it a little bit, but this particular conversation, I just want to highlight for a second. Um, we were in the car coming back from skiing, and, and this, this guy was pretty resistant to God. Um, and, and I'm praying because we're having a conversation about stuff that matters, conversation about spiritual stuff. And I'm praying, God, I don't know what to say. I, we've been talking for five years. I don't know what to say. And in that instant in the car, this, this experience that I had 45 years earlier came to mind. 45 years earlier. And I thought, I, th I think that that kind of applies. And I just shared this experience with my friend. And he said, you know what? I think you're right. I think that's it exactly. And it was like, good night. For five years, I've been giving you all this wisdom, all my knowledge, all my stuff, you know, but when we pray, God allows the right peace to come at the right time so that his favor can go forward. When we pray, we open ourselves to God and the leading of his spirit. When we pray, we focus our minds uh, to recognize God's prompting. When we pray, we receive the direction that we need to discover the people that God is calling us to bless. So what are, what are our action steps out of today's who cares message? Let me, let me just give you three. The first is this. Identify who you want to pray for. 
I want to encourage you right now. If, if you've got it in your purse, if you've got it around you, take out a piece of paper. If you don't have a piece of paper, take out your phone and go to some app, app that you can write in. This, uh, I'm being real serious, all right? I, here's what I want you to do, to just take some time right now and take out your phone, email yourself, send a text to yourself, and just write, who are the people that I want to bless? Who are the people that I want to bless? And then as I keep talking, just start writing. Who are the people that you've been thinking of this morning in the message? There's some faces probably that have come to mind. Who are the people that I want to bless? Write them down. Which of your family members are far from God? They may be struggling. They may seem like they have the perfect life. It doesn't matter. Write them down. Who are the people at work? The people at the gym, the people that you see at Big B, the, that right now God is saying to you maybe, what, what about them? What about that person? Write them down. Who are your neighbors? Who are the people that lived on your left and on your right who, who live across the street? Maybe you don't even know their names. Describe them and write them down. Who are some people in your life that are very different than you? Maybe they're a lot more educated or maybe a lot less educated. Maybe they're a lot wealthier or maybe they're a lot poorer. Maybe they speak a different language. Maybe they have a different skin color. Maybe they're a lot older. Maybe they're a lot younger. Write them down. Maybe there's some people that you don't really like. They drive you crazy. Uh, they're the kind of people that we talk about as extra grace required, EGR people. You know, they're, they're the people that stretch you. You know what? If you don't have an EGR person in your neighborhood, extra grace required, you probably are the EGR person, all right? Maybe there's some of those people. Write them down. How many names do you have? Four, six, eight, ten? Doesn't really matter. The Holy Spirit is already working in that process. That's the first thing. Identify who the people are. The second thing is create a reminder to pray for them. Maybe that reminder is something visual. Maybe it's a little trinket that you can put on your desk. And every time you see that thing on your desk, you're thinking, I'm praying for those people that I wrote their names down. Maybe it's a picture of them that you put up on your bathroom mirror and you see, and it's a reminder in the morning to pray for those people, to pray that God would allow you to be a blessing in their life. Maybe, um, maybe it's, it's something else. There's just some specific thing that, that you put on your dashboard so that as you're driving, you can remember to pray for those people, some kind of reminder. Maybe you need a different kind of reminder. If you've got your phone out right now, Turn to your clock app and set an alarm for some time that you would never have an alarm otherwise, and let that be your daily reminder to pray. Maybe it's 2.34 in the afternoon, or 8.19 at night, or 7.47 in the morning, but every time that alarm goes off, that's your reminder to pray. You don't have to label it, just let it go off, and pray that God will allow you to be a blessing in those people's lives. What do you pray for when you pray for them? Pray for their well-being. 
Pray for their physical, their spiritual, their mental health. Pray for the opportunity to bless and serve them or just simply to have a conversation with them. Pray for their relationships, for their friendships, for their marriage, for their family, for their work. Pray for their careers. Pray for their finances. Pray for their vehicles. Pray for whatever it is that the Holy Spirit prompts you to, but pray for them that God would allow you to extend his favor to them, to be a blessing. The third thing is this. Don't, don't miss an opportunity in terms of your takeaway. You know, you gotta identify people, uh, figure out a way to pray for them, and then don't miss an opportunity. If you're praying and you get a little nudge to say something or do something, you've been praying for it, so do it. Don't, don't miss that opportunity. We'll, we'll talk in the next few weeks in, in this series about what that might be. But if you're praying, you're going to notice things. God's going to open your eyes to things. It may feel weird or completely random, but if you're praying, it's probably God doing the prompting. So respond. Follow through. Even if nothing earth-shattering happens, it may be more about you recognizing the nudge of the Holy Spirit, God's prompting in your life, than it is about, about those streams of living water flowing through you. It's just you responding. Um, the other thing that you may find is that the more that you care about people and the more you pray for them, people will start to open up. And don't hesitate to just ask when somebody's sharing their heart with you, can I pray for you? Can I, can I pray for you? Now, several things might happen. One is that they might say no. And if so, don't force it. Just pray for them anyway, just not then. All right? To honor them in that. The next thing that might happen is that they might go, um, 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 like now? And you can say, yeah, I can pray for you now or I can pray for you later and honor them in that process. And the other thing that might happen is that they might say, you, you would really pray for me? You have no idea how many people have never had someone pray for them by name in their presence. Some, that someone has talked to God on their behalf. And it's an incredibly powerful thing that somebody would care enough to talk to God about what's going on in their life. Um, you don't need to hold hands. It doesn't need to be long or weird. You don't need to use churchy words. You don't need to ask them to be filled with the righteousness of God or that they be covered with the blood of Jesus. You don't need to do any of that. All you need to do is say, God, would you help him find a job? He's really struggling. God, would you give them wisdom as they're dealing with their teenager? God, would you help his wife come home from the hospital? God, you know what's going on in their life. We just thank you that we can talk to you about it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Whatever that is. Is it weird to pray out loud for somebody who shared something about, that shared something that's wrecking their life? Maybe, but they wouldn't share if they didn't know that you cared. Take advantage of that opportunity that you've been praying for 
and just respond to them in that way. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to say some special, magical words. All you need to do is talk to the one who is your best friend about the stuff that's going on in the life of these people who are your friends as well. You've got some people in mind written down. You have a reminder to remind yourself to pray. Don't miss that we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing, so that we can live out the favor of God going to extend to the entire world. Who cares? I hope you do, because there are lots of people in your world who are asking that same question. Who cares? Let's pray. Lord, um, in this quietness, I just ask that you, um, that you would free your spirit to be persistent with us. God, that the, the faces that are in our minds, the people that we know and love, that, that we think maybe you might want us to bless, that, we, that you might want us to let your favor flow through us to them. God, help us not to walk away from that. Help us not to ignore it. Help us not to miss the opportunity that you've created for us to be used by you in this way. God, we recognize that Jesus came to change everything. That, that, that the life that we've received through him isn't meant to be contained, but it's supposed to flow through us like those streams of living water. God, help us to be putty in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.